You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Good morning, Giants fans, and welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is my partner in breakfast, Mike, the Cranky Fan. <laughs> Good morning, Mr. Grump. Uh, having my second Starbucks of the morning here, um, getting used to our new format of recording on Friday mornings to get this out as fast as possible for your uh, your drive time entertainment. Starbucks, give us free shit. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, <laughs> Starbucks. <laughs> Guys, don't forget to follow us on iTunes and SoundCloud so you can get all the latest episodes as soon as they're ready. Yeah, give us a uh, give us a five star review, a rating, and give us a nice review whether you mean it or not. So it, the more people that do that, the more people will listen to us, the more hate mail we'll get, and the more grumpier and crankier we shall be. So yes. as that is not if the offense is making us grumpier and cranky enough as it is, I will always find something to grump about. So yeah. Well, guys, um, Monday night football this week. It's Monday night football. The Giants can't ever catch a break without playing in prime time. I don't know if it's a good or bad thing. Well, I guess from a it, it they don't put irrelevant teams on Monday night or Sunday night. So that in that way, it's it's pretty good. Uh, brand exposure never hurts. You know, um, the negatives obviously are from especially home games. It's a different crowd. You know, you don't get the normal crowd. And I don't know if that's even a good thing or a bad thing, to be very honest, because the normal one o'clock Sunday crowd has been there for a thousand years. The Monday night crowd is the ones that buy tickets off StubHub from the older crowd. And they're a little more, eh, I'll be generous and say cheesy, if not just obnoxious and drunk and not as smart. Well, here's the obvious thing. Those people buying tickets on StubHub may not be Giants fans. That's true, but that's going to happen, you know, in this day and age now with StubHub and all the other services, you are seeing, you're not seeing 99% fans of the home team in these games anymore anyway. And the more that the price of season tickets goes up and the more, you know, difficult it is to maintain and the price of everything going up, people are selling their tickets more. I mean, we try to get to, you know, seven of the eight home games a year, but a lot of people, they will sell their Dallas ticket because they know they can make a ton on it and pay for four or five other games. So, but you're right. The availability of a way, especially in New York, you know, this is not a town like Kansas city or green Bay where, you know, Monday night is a thing. It's a social event. You know, everybody works like, are you going to the game? Where are you sitting? Where are you going to meet before? It's a pain in the ass to get to the Meadowlands on a normal day, but nighttime, I know I don't get back to my apartment in Manhattan until, you know, one in the morning. And that's, that's a pain. Yeah, especially so, for people who care more about being well rested for work the next day. Um, yeah, you were saying it's a different crowd. You know, Monday night fourth quarter, if the game is not close in either direction, uh, you know the stands start to empty like real quick, and it's you know to me that's that's a bummer because there's only eight home games a year, and you hope that people cherish going to them. We will be there. You want to grab a drink of this? We'll be at the Jameson Bar before the game. So, Jameson, give us free shit. Yeah, give us free shit. <laughs> Stop up, free tickets, please. <laughs> All Anybody, right. Chico's bail bonds. Give us some free bonds out of jail. Anything. All right, let's um, 
Let's move on to the, uh, in this shameless episode here, let's move on to the injuries <laughs> to watch brought to you by Jameson. Um, uh, obviously, the biggest one here is going to be Odell Beckham Jr. Um, he moved around in practice. He actually practiced. He was limited yesterday. Thursday was their first full practice, I believe, where they were padded. Um, not a walkthrough. And he was listed as limited. The media portion, um, every beat writer said he looked to be very close to 100%, like about 85 to 90%. Running, jumping, cutting, doing everything you expect of him. I don't expect him to be 100% for about six to eight weeks, like he says. Um, you know, uh, high ankle sprain, this is not new news for anybody who's watched football over the last, I don't know, 20 years. You know, it's a it's a lingering injury, and it's a pain, and it's why it's pretty dreaded. Um, we were fortunate in that it happened so early in the preseason for Beckham. Um, last week was going to be tough for him to make anyway, just based on the nature of the injury. Um, and, it, and it clearly showed that, you know, I, I disagree with this notion of the way you look at it, but Beckham is clearly an MVP in this league because without him, this team sucks. I think this team sucks even with him, the offense. I mean, we, we discussed this on last week's podcast that our a little bit of a difference of opinion between the two of us, whether it's overall offensive line play and play calling and play scheme plays a bigger impact than whether Beckham is in the lineup or not. Uh, to me, the injury that concerns me just as much as Beckham, and this might sound a little silly, is Bobby Hart. Yes, and that's because, where we're going next here. You know, the thing is, you know, on his good days, he's barely serviceable as a right tackle anyway. If he is injured or even out, you know, the thin offensive line we have has to be shuffled around and, you know, God knows what we're going to do. So, yeah, that's, that's I, the I, thing I, there. I, I think to me, you know, yeah, obviously we want Beckham back in. Even if he's in, he's not 100%. That does help with the offense. But this offensive line is the biggest problem potentially in the league, I think, right now, the Giants offensive line. And, Losing your right tackle, or even if he's not 100%, just makes a bad situation even worse. Yeah, and uh, Bobby Hart did not practice on his rolled ankle, I believe, right? Um, yes, he did not. You know. He was in a walking boot during the week. He, he did not have a boot on, on Thursday, but did not practice. Um, okay. The... Uh, there's a couple things here. Uh, number one is, I have no idea what we're going to do if he can't play. There's... You know, Ben McAdoo's not going to tip his hand, so he didn't rule out moving Justin Pugh back over to right tackle, which is where he started once he was drafted. Hey, um, let, me, let me stop you right there for a second. Sure. Hey, McAdoo, you don't need to tip your hand on who your fucking right tackle is going to be. I mean, I know sometimes it's like when you have two quarterbacks, you're going to have the, the throwing guy or the running guy or something. Or, But who your right tackle They're not going to re-scheme the defense based on who the right tackle is. So, I mean, I think he's... he's He's trying to take on the uh, the Bill Belichick persona of not saying anything at all and being a complete crank during press conferences. But you know something? Un- until you start winning consistently and winning championships, be a little more open, please, for things that you know you can be a little more open for. O- off soapbox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of with you there. I think I think once once you've started winning, you you have the right to yeah. do whatever you know. There's a fine line between trying not to tip your hand for a competitive advantage and basically being an asshole. And I think something like that's a little assholic. Yeah, and and you know uh, this is another sort of rant that I don't think we should go down. But Marshawn Lynch kind of said the same thing. You know, people who defended Marshawn Lynch who didn't want to talk to the media said, you know, Bill Belichick goes up to the podium and he doesn't say jack shit. So why should Marshawn Lynch have to say anything? 
Um, right. You know, it's it's kind of true. Coaches are held to a different standard. Nobody right. really cares. They think it's funny that Bill Belichick doesn't say anything. And 98% of what people say is just, you know, scripted yeah. coach speak or player speak. That doesn't mean anything anyway. And the 2% when players or coaches speak their mind, <laughs> they're looking for jobs in the NFL right now. And yeah. you know what I'm talking about. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Bobby Hart's injury, that's, you know, that's really going to scare me. Uh, I don't know what we'll do. Uh, I do think he'll play though, but I also think some of his bad play on Sunday can be attributed to his injury. Um, he did have a good preseason. I don't believe in pro football focus grades, but he did have a good preseason. He passed the eye test. Um, and for whatever reason on Sunday, he just looked not as quick out of his stance. It, it was not like he was confused. And, you know, we, we talked about some plays that were highlighted by NBC that were not his fault um, and things of that nature. So um, either way, Bobby Hart's injury is going to be the, – the two big key ones to watch are going to be Beckham and Hart. Uh, there's no question this offense is different with Beckham, with your best player on the field, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no question that your weakest link can't get any weaker, you know. It's it's already a problem. It can't get worse. That's that's bad. Right. Um, you know, there's a couple other injuries on there, but I think they're a little bit less important. Uh, Keenan Robinson's still in the concussion protocol, but making progress. That's not good news. Uh, I think the Giants are okay with taking time with him, only because they seem to have the linebacker depth that they've wanted for a while now. Yeah, um, linebackers were one of the real uh, shining stars last yeah. week. So. Yeah, they and actually Goodson. 18 t- I didn't realize he had 18 tackles. My God. And I think 14 solo. Yeah. Yeah. He played a monster game. Uh, then again, this is a run first team Dallas that they played. So, you know, he was kind of in line to make a lot more tackles. This is going to be a different uh, ballpark this this game. But, you know, we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, Janoris Jenkins showed up on the injury report. He was a full participant, though. He had a finger issue. Jay Bromley has now been a full participant. I expect him to play more. And Tavares King was a full participant. Um, I don't know how much... I see him playing, but if if Beckham is not playing every single snap, which I don't think he should, King might rotate in there a couple of times. Well, we need. It, it doesn't really matter how it, the, the rotation is if we don't have time to get the ball to these guys too. So <laughs> it's good to. It's, it, I'm serious. I mean, it, yeah. it's 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 nice to hear that our fourth slash fifth receiver is available potentially to play. But uh, <laughs> if we don't have time to get the ball to them, and you're running the same crappy, you know base plays where no imagination is it wasted breath or not yeah wow cranky fan already in week two is that defeated uh attitude yeah i was hoping we'd get to week eight but yeah we'll, we'll be all right this uh this non um non-sponsored starbucks hopefully will kick in sooner and we'll be yeah. okay <laughs> um you know before we get into the lions injuries yeah we, we i can respond to that uh eli manning said you know, when it, a reporter asked him, I think sarcastically, like, oh, geez, could it get any worse? And he kind of responded seriously, like, oh, yeah, it could get worse. Um, <laughs> it can get worse. So, but the other thing is, it's week one. Um, there's some things to keep in mind that I thought about over the week. You know, last year, all the key pieces were added on defense. And in the first couple weeks, despite winning, I know that I know they won, but that's kind of the reason why people didn't think about it so much. But the defense did not play that well the first couple weeks. Um and, you know, we went over this over the summer uh, and the spring where I talked about, you know, the turning points in the season. And it wasn't for a couple of weeks that the defense really clicked in. I think it was really the Rams game is when this defense started to look elite. Um, this year, a lot of the key pieces were added on offense. Uh, you know, with Evan Ingram and Brandon Marshall, this was supposed to be the big, the big 
you know, shift to the offense. And uh, it's going to take a little bit. Uh, it was week one. Practices aren't what they used to be under the new CBA. They don't take the preseason as seriously, which you've highlighted. It's going to take a little bit. So have a little bit of faith that this will improve. Do not doomsday scenario after week one. Um, that being said, I understand the concerns that, you know, this is a lingering issue from last year. But again, in you know the beginning of 2016, the lingering issues of not getting pressure on the quarterback they they were there. I don't think the defensive line got a sack for like the first four or five weeks last year. That was a yeah, that was an issue. I remember that was kind of one of those recurring themes of like when are they going to get a sack? You know. Yeah. The, but the main problems from last year, I don't think were addressed, and I think those main problems were again offensive line play and you know and, and a knock to the coaching staff scheme and play calling. Yeah. And, and it can even go further to say even you know guys on the field. You know, I know you're a big fan of uh, Orleans Darkwall, and I'm, you know, I'm getting to the realization also he might be the best running back on this roster yeah. right right now. And three, the fact three, that he, three carries for, uh, I think, 14 yards. That's how many times good. was he actually on the field? Uh, not often enough. How many plays? I mean, you know, and it's a, again, I hate to keep going back to this. I know 98% of people don't care, but, you know, I do a, a companion, companion podcast about the Florida Gators, and it's the exact same situation where, the best players are not on the field, so I don't want to hear how many, you know, how many touches X receiver or Y running back had. It's how many times did they, how many snaps are they on the field? And if you're on the field for four times in a game, yeah, you're only going to have one or two touches. So you know, your best guys have to play. And I think McAdoo, I haven't decided yet. You know, after 18 games or so, if he's stubborn to a fault or he just has complete confidence in what he's trying to do, but. Maybe Paul Perkins just isn't that good, and maybe it's not all run, uh, offensive line problems with, you know, run blocking. Maybe Darkwa is the best guy, and okay, he wasn't a high draft pick or he wasn't a free agent signing. Maybe he's just he's just the guy. He's like Victor Cruz, who wasn't a you know high draft pick, but maybe he's the best guy. So those things have to be figured out and figured out pretty soon before you know we stop saying oh week one, oh week two, and it's like oh shit, you know we're two and three right now. What are we gonna do? Yeah, well, that 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 being said, everything I said and everything you said, I think one of the most important things is that this offense needs to start scoring points. Um, the last thing we need to do is become the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, God. So, a million different levels. Yeah. Um, right now, after last night, uh, there's complete, already complete divide in the locker room between the defense and offense where the defense is actually doing a pretty decent job two weeks in a row, and they got shut out week one, and they scored only three four field goals last night against Houston Texans, who are not a good team, in my opinion. Let me tell you something. The Cincinnati defense is not a group of guys who I want to get a divided locker room against because those, those guys are straight-up criminals. So <laughs> I'd be very worried. Yeah. Um, You know, shuffling back to injuries to watch, though, uh, the Lions do have two guys that are limited – that, that were limited in practice, and um, I, I fully expect them to play, but it is important because they're two very important guys in their team. Ziggy Ansa, their defensive end, who is a first-round pick, is dealing with a knee issue, you know, important to note. Uh, and Golden Tate, their clear number one receiver, has a finger issue, and he was limited also. Um, Ooh, he's a guy that crushed us two years ago. I was, I was at that Monday night game, you know, the first game of the year, and uh, he devastated us. I believe Calvin Johnson was on the roster at the time, though. He was, he was, he was, but like, you know, he's that number two receiver we had no answer for. That yeah. was another piss poor performance. Yeah. If I 
Remember, offensively and defensively. Yeah, that was that was pretty rough. Um, you know, there's there's some matchups to watch here. Uh, the first one I have highlighted is Matt Stafford versus the secondary of the Giants. Um, you know, when you look at the the Lions roster, when you look at their weapons, there's a bunch of I would say like tier two, tier three guys, and not a real like even you know Golden Tate, you know it's their clear number one and I know he crushed us or whatever, but I wouldn't really put him in the upper echelon of wide receivers. But Matt Stafford is going to throw the ball to whoever's open and he will spread the ball around. So, you know, when you start adding guys up, when you have Golden Tate, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, you know, uh, Eric Ebron, Theo Riddick when he comes out of the backfield, the Giants secondary is going to have to blanket these guys. Um, And it's going to be interesting to watch them keep their eyes on Matt Stafford because he's also prone to big mistakes and he threw a couple of picks uh, against Arizona. So, you know, he's a guy who can win and lose a game for his team, kind of in the same vein that Eli Manning is. He's the definition of a gunslinger. I mean, even more so than Eli. I mean, their offense is more wide open. They are a passing first team. You know, I think we mentioned it last week. We don't know what the identity of this giant offense is, but we kind of know what Detroit is. Yeah. They're going to sling it all over the place, winning, losing, you know, regardless of the time of the game. They're going to put the ball up, you know, 35 to 50 times a game. So, and he, he you know, still has a rifle of an arm and he's still going to try to, uh, you know, get the ball into some tight places. So yeah. the, the potential for turnovers is definitely there. Yes. And uh, turnovers is something the Giants did not do last week. No turnovers for this defense. The other one, and I, these two, the next two kind of go hand in hand, but... I don't want to harp on this because I feel like I could do it every single week, but did Detroit defensive line versus the Giants offensive line? Um, you know, we we'll be straight up about it. This Giants offensive line is not good. It's clearly the weakest link on the team, and it's clearly the biggest hindrance to them winning. But this De- Detroit defensive line is very good, particularly in the middle. Um, you know, when you have guys like Ashawn Robinson and Haloti Nada right up the middle uh you know western richburg john jerry is going to have to figure out what what he wants to do with his life because he's <laughs> he's on the verge of I'm not sure, having a job i'm sure he's a very nice man yeah. but uh as a as a uh, a right guard that is not his calling in life here's a good matchup to watch and i hope the giants exploit it but brandon marshall and evan ingram versus this detroit secondary detroit secondary's tallest man is six feet tall this is something that the Giants can exploit. They have two corners who are only 5'9", one that's 5'11". Brandon Marshall and Evan Ingram should be a matchup nightmare for this team because I don't picture, you know, Jared Davis trying to guard Brandon Marshall or Evan Ingram. I mean, that's, not, might... what Jer- that's not what Jared Davis does best. I, and again, from experience from watching him for three years, that's not his forte. Yeah, and I'm not saying they need to go to these guys constantly, but, you know, Brandon Marshall obviously is the strong guy. Um, he's pretty quick but he's not very quick but evan ingram's the opposite you know he's very quick and tall so you know if you're in the middle of the field evan ingram should have an advantage over whoever is guarding him if you are in the red zone you know either one of them but brandon marshall's the strong guy you know you kind of go to him on a fade route or something you know there's your matchup advantage uh it's going to be something to watch i hope the giants exploit it i think i'm sure they know about it but definitely something to watch well, you know, we had, you know, we have to we have to exploit those matchups just because we have them on paper. I mean, you know, again, we had Brandon Marshall in the red zone. We didn't throw it to Brandon Marshall last weekend. Last weekend, our one opportunity we hit down there. It's like, you know, 
identifying these matchups and actually executing to them are two different things. And I think this offense has to start doing that right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I mean, that's, that's why these guys were brought in, right? So <laughs> theoretically, <of>. yeah. <laughs> um, I've got a couple keys to this game. And this is one that I don't think we talked about too much, but keep running the ball. This team with this offensive line cannot afford to be one-dimensional. They just can't. You know, the 2011 team had a bad running game, but Eli Manning had his best year that year. Um, His offensive line was much more serviceable in pass protection. (laughs) There you go. Um, (laughs) In pass protection. Uh, they could afford to be a little bit more one-dimensional, obviously, since they won the Super Bowl. But this team this year cannot be one-dimensional. They have to, have to run the ball. They cannot give up on only a couple of attempts, period. Uh, I'm going to say the opposite, but I think I know what you're saying. I think the passing game has to set up the running game. Oh, sure. I'm just saying they can't give up on the running game. I think we tried to do, you know, try to run the ball early, just didn't work. And all of a sudden it's like, well, we, now we have to. I think the only way, the only hope and help we will have for this offensive line to run the ball is if we can, you know, stop getting everybody crowding the line and just saying we're going to stop the run. And I think, you know, quick little slants over the middle, using Ingram over the middle, you know, using Marshall with the way he's supposed to be. That's the only hope I think we have is if they, if we're trying to go in there with that old tired cliche of we're going to establish the run. Forget it. We just don't have the personnel blocking and running to do that. But I think if we can, you know, we can loosen up the defense and so they're not expecting the run constantly. I think we have some chance to succeed. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. So I, 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 and I agree with you. This is not a run first team. But what it is, it doesn't matter if you run first, pass second, or pass first, run second. Every team is not one-dimensional. Every winning team. So, I mean, it's kind of a justifiable lack of confidence. And I agree with you. You can't just throw the ball 70 times a game. That's what I I'm saying. That. Like, you know, if, if it's three yards what, or what, less. What, what, do you, what do you define as giving up on running the ball? I mean, if it's third and three and passing every time, that's different than just on first down we're throwing every time. And, you know, every time it's second and two we're passing every time. So, Well, okay. Here, here's what I define as giving up on running the ball. 10 carries last week. How many total plays? Um, well, there were 38 passing attempts. So, so that's four to that's one. Pathetic. Yeah. I mean, just think just the, just the sheer numbers of, 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 of plays 48 is nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, I again, mean, it's nothing, but four to one passing to throwing when, when, you know, I can understand if losing, we were, you're, you're we losing, were the losing by a too. lot, but, we we weren't we weren't we were in the game until the very end there, uh, you know that last drive within eight minutes of the end of the game, we were in the game. So, you know that to me is giving up on the running game. If you're in the fourth quarter, you're still in the game and you've only run the ball ten times. That's giving up. I think the other thing to watch in this game and a, a key to winning is going to be if Beckham plays, continue to spread the ball around. You have all these weapons. He cannot be. I mean, he could be the number one target if you want, but he can't be. The panic mode, throwing wherever Beckham's route is supposed to be without looking. You know, there were a couple of times where hope he pops a big play out of it. Yeah, I mean, I understand that, like that's what he does, and every once in a while you've got to do that. But he can't be, you know, Superman. It just can't. Especially when it's at seventy percent of health, and especially when they're going to be, you know, double and you know, setting their whole offense, a defense around him too. Yeah, Um, just you know. 
continuing to spread the ball. I, I don't want to say that like Eli did not spread the ball last week. He he did a pretty good job. You know, Roger Lewis had four catches. Shane Vereen had nine. Evan Ingram had four. Starling Shepard had seven. That's you know that's pretty decent spread right there. You know when you when you compare to Detroit, who Golden Tate had ten catches, and then Kenny Galladay had four. Marvin Jones two. T.J. Jones two. I mean that's not the same yeah. for, for a guy who dropped back 41 times versus Eli's 38 well we don't have it really an established number two guy right now I mean I guess you could say I mean is it Ingram I'm sorry is it uh Shepard is it Shepard is it Marshall I mean there's I don't think Eli has the confidence in anybody to say this is gonna be my go-to guy when there's no Beckham and I suppose I know yeah. Shepard yeah Shepard is a a nice complimentary two slash three receiver but I don't think he's got that 100% trust. I'm just going to pound the ball to you if I have to. The offense does change with Beckham because he has that guy. But yeah. I think I know what you're saying. You know, he he's not in his mind going to a guy that's number two. I think he's going to the playbook in his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah We're not good. Yeah. Um, the last thing is once you get a lead, if this Giants team can get a lead. The key is going to be to rattle Stafford. He's a guy who's prone to stupid mistakes. Um, he does try to do it all on his own. He tends to run around a little too much when uh, shit's breaking down. And I know sometimes that helps him, but sometimes it hurts him. And this is a, a hunting defensive line. If they can get him running around, they can you know, swat the ball out of his hand. He's not very good at holding onto the ball when he gets sacked. Um, and he tends to throw a little bit high when he's under pressure, you know, which is always a bad thing. So right. I know that the Detroit offensive line is is pretty pretty decent and uh Stafford's got a lot of weapons all over the place but rattling him is going to be the key because like I said with no clear star to throw to and he's just spreading the ball around he's the guy who's going to be the key for them so rattling him is going to be the key for us. I I think the the key of the game is let's see what time possession is at the end of the first quarter. Yeah. You know, again, if we see another ten minutes to five minutes or something, or eleven to four, you know, I'm going to be very worried again. You know, and that's going to tell me a couple of things. At one, again, we can't run the ball. Again, we can't get first downs. You know, the, but you know, if we see it, it's pretty close. I'm going to feel I'm going to feel more and more confident because this defense, as good as they are and as deep as we think it is, it can't be on the field for you know, no, no 40, defense 43, 40, Right, exactly. And, you know, that's that's the key to this whole thing to me. So that's what I'm going to be looking at when the end of the first quarter, looking at the time possession. And, uh, you know, I see it pretty – if I see it anywhere close to being even, I'm going to feel really good about this game. If I see it how it was last week, I'm going to be very worried. Yeah. Predictions? I think that if Beckham is in the lineup, it's going to be a close game. Um, and I think it's something close to like 17-13 Giants. If Beckham is not playing, I can't see us winning this game. Um, it's pretty clear that he's our best player. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, I expect another dismal performance like 23-10 to 10 Lions. See, this is going to be a common theme on this show going forward, at least until Beckham is back, where our diverging paths of uh, success, where I don't think if Beckham is there or if he's in or not in, I don't think changes the outcome all that much. Um Again, I still am petrified by this offensive line. I'm still very low confidence on the play calling right now. Um, I'm wor- I, I, I'm just worried that you know if we fall behind early, this game is over. Um, 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this is gonna be a relatively low scoring game. I think. I think right now I'm gonna have it. We are gonna squeak out a. 17-14 win. And I think one of those I think one of our 17, one of the touchdowns that we score will be a defensive touchdown. We need turnovers. We need turnovers, you know, I hate to say it to score points, but we need it to help with the field position battle. Yeah. We need it to help with the time possession battle. And this defense is very capable with the pass rush in the secondary to rattle a guy like Stafford. And it needs to create opportunities, needs to create short fields for this offense. Needs to create scoring opportunities. So I'm going to give us a 17-14 victory with the defense scoring points. And I think the Beckham plays or doesn't play doesn't have that much of an impact overall. You're nuts. <laughs> You're nuts. I don't understand how in one breath you can say that he's a guy who all he needs is one play and then in the other breath say yeah, but, it doesn't yeah, matter that, if he's on the field Yeah, but that's the, the difference between saying he's a guy who all he needs is one play to break one and counting on that happening every single game. You don't have to I mean, count on it. It's just any team ex- without their best player is going to perform differently, especially when he's an offensive weapon. Understand that, but he's a recipient as a weapon. He is not the catalyst of that weapon. You know, he's the he's the third I, bullshit. I disagree. I completely disagree. Most of his touchdowns are not some go route where he's you know, 30 yards downfield when he makes the catch. They're slants on a five-yard catch. Okay, slants, slants that we don't even – slants that's completely out of our playbook right now. And don't tell me because, well, Beckham's not in the game. We're not using that play because that's bullshit. What are you talking about slants aren't in the playbook? It's basically the entire playbook. The slants that we were running over the middle? Yeah. How many of those did we – how many did we have last week? I don't think we completed any, but they were all there. <laughs> I mean the, the, the interception to Roger Lewis was a slant. Is it maybe a little bit more of an in route, but it's more of an in route, I think, than a slant. I mean, just the basic things that he does. That uh, you're right with Beckham in the game. There's much more of a chance to score, obviously, because of what he does, his individual skill and everything. But I don't think it changes the complete calculus of what this offense is trying to do. That if he's in there or not. Well, I'm just thinking when you think back to last year against Baltimore. You know, I know that was like one of his biggest games of his career, but you know. There was hope that they would score in that last drive, and mm-hmm. instead, he took it seventy-five yards on a five-yard slant pick play. Yes, and yes. that was that was all him. You know, you don't draw that play up to take it to the house. When you he, think about last year against Dallas at home, his touchdown, a five-yard slant that he took to the right. house. You're 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 you're, conf- you're mistaking what I'm saying. That he, unlike you know, he's in that two percent of guys in the league who can make something out of nothing and can turn a game around. My thing is, I'm not predicting that he's going to turn, do that every single game. And to me, it's like it's a it's a better chance of us winning with him in there. But I'm not going to predict it based on everything else, all the other problems with this offense. To say, oh well, Beckham's in there, he's going to turn a five yard slant to a 75 yard touchdown. Well, is that's it? Not, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the threat of that changes the way the defense plays the game. It changes the way you can draw up your offense. You know, I, I think this team is just different when he's on the field, whether or not he has 10 catches, three catches, four catches. That's what I'm saying. I, I think my, the biggest thing, and this will be an interesting debate topic we're going to have for the next few weeks, yeah. is the, you know, the, the fact that Beckham is on the field, how much does it change everything? You know, as opposed to that he's a, he's a definite weapon that will, you know, 
obviously benefit the offense and, and change some of the things that the offense is. How much does it completely change schemes? And that's something we're going to have to watch and analyze as we go forward. I might be wrong. I just I it's a feeling I have with nothing to back it up. Yeah. Because I think if I'm if I'm an opposing defensive team, I feel like I'm going to scheme my guys differently based on whether or not he's on the field. And I look at it as a defensive, you know, team. Okay, Beckham is out there, but my number one thing is I'm going to make sure completely we continue to completely stop their run and make them one-dimensional like you said. Yeah. And then, you know, then it's scheming, you know, you know, pass defense and you know how how we scheming that, but the, the 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 problems with this offense are so much greater than Beckham not being. Sure. I really I really put them right now as a number three problem on the on the offense. And I think you put it right now as number one. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays I, out. I don't know. I don't know that I put it as a number one problem. I just think that it covers up some of the other problems. You know the the fact that he can take a five yard pass play that is only designed to go five yards and take oh. a seventy five and score covers that up did the a fact. Lot. That, that yeah. did a lot last year. I mean, that hit up a lot of warts on this offense. Where I'm you not know, saying it's the solution. I'm just saying it's a temporary cover up. Sometimes, oh sure, it's clear to me that the number one problem is the offensive line. You're not going to convince me otherwise. But you know, none of this matters because we're going to trade for Joe Thomas anyway. So, oh, exactly. Yeah, Cleveland. They just drafted a rookie who's playing. So, let's just trade a ten year guy who God knows what the salary cap would be or anything. But yeah. I'm sure Cleveland would be more than happy. And let's uh, let's trade him for a fifth-round pick, too, yeah. because... You know, he's 10 years or, in the league. How much longer are we going to have him? Yeah, let's trade someone we hate, too, like, uh, you know... Um, oh, I'm Lewis, sure... That, yeah. yeah, let's trade him for Roger Lewis and... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, guys. It, it, I, I'd love to, but Cleveland's not that stupid. Kevin Costner is not their GM and. uh <laughs> God. All right. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter. Um, I will be live tweeting some during the game, but it's not as easy at the stadium. Um, I've mentioned this before. We don't have the benefit of the of you know instant replay, the telecast. Um, people are screaming my face, uh, but I will try my best. I'll offer my thoughts as they happen. Uh, I'm at football underscore grump and the podcast for any sort of new episodes at Just Giants Pod. And I am at the Cranky Fan, and you can find our Facebook page and download each episode on iTunes and SoundCloud. And we are serious. If you want to buy us a Jameson and Coke, we'll be at the Jameson Bar probably an hour and a half, two hours before the game, getting inebriated. So uh, maybe the only way we can handle this offense is with a nice lathered-up feeling. So. <laughs> All right, guys. We hope to, to see all, you there. Thank you to all of our non-sponsors yes. who continue not to support the show, and uh, maybe one of you guys someday will actually give us fifty bucks or something. So, <laughs> or a gift card, <laughs> anything. We will start a GoFundMe from all of our loyal listeners if you want to. Uh... <laughs> all right, guys. We hope to see you at the game. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.